Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. All right, Ben, how you doing today, brother? Uh, pretty well, pretty well. Uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving coming up. I'm, it's the only day I'm working in the office this week and then supposed to get on the road. But uh, how about you? Life's probably kind of busy for you with all the changes you've got coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hectic. So we, in a good way though. So as the time we're recording this, by the time we're posted up, we'll be changed, but uh, we're gearing up to uh, get moving to Maine in the next couple of weeks. And so yeah, a lot of little details to, to really understand and get through. So, but, uh, but it has been interesting to me because, uh, you know, I have, I've experienced a change of mind, if you will, in my moving to Maine. Uh, do you know what kind of change of mind I have? Uh, I don't know, man. That uh, the the Patriots and the Red Sox are your team now. Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to, you know, I used to think that Bill Belichick was like, you know, uh, all kinds of evil. I guess. <laughs> I, I think I didn't like the Patriots, uh, especially in like high school and college, primarily just because you know people don't like the people that win all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, like. Patriots fatigue, Alabama fatigue, and foot, college football. Yeah, yeah. So now I've changed my mind to enjoying uh, taking all the wins. And I have to say, at the time of this recording, you know, I think I'm really a positive charm to the Patriots because uh, when I first started, uh, when I went to Maine to preach at the church, I think they were two and four. And if I if I remember correctly, they're seven and four right now at the time of this recording. So they've won every game since I've been up there. I mean, you got something going. You know... We talked about gambling recently. I mean, are you going to start putting some bets down? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't think so, but yeah, it's a good team, though. The Pats uh, are really turning around this year, so uh, no baseball to talk about, unfortunately, though, right? So, Well, we do have to point out, the last time, I think it was the World Series was underway, but the Braves have won. I, I still am a little bit in disbelief, but uh, but it's true. So hopefully it's not another... 21 years but uh yeah yeah. you know that even georgia as well university of georgia is number one in college football right now so if if georgia were to win this year and the braves i mean i think people some people in georgia might just die i don't know it's just you know all these years of getting so close to to winning and then you know pulling uh defeat out of the jaws of victory (laughs) (laughs) although i can be a glass half empty guy so i'm I'm essentially positive that uh nick saban and alabama are going to win it all this year and and i'm going to despise that (laughs) i fear that yeah yeah but hopefully again i can change my mind on that though uh but (laughs) so we talked about changing mind so when was the last time uh you really changed your mind i mean i don't think that changing football teams is a really significant change of mind but what would you say is the last time you did uh the last thing i did uh on a certain medical issue i i had uh questions and anyway then i changed my mind i was like okay well uh um shifted my position on that and so i mean i was not like drastically one way and then drastically you know 
opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but that there was some change there over time. So how about you? Yeah, that's good. So, um, my assumption is that, uh, the medical thing was like, uh, was like eye, uh, piercings or something like that. You think that's morally acceptable now and you didn't think it was before. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the listeners out there, they can't see the new little adornment I have. <laughs> so, yeah, so for me, I mean, I definitely think I have. And it's, I think as I've grown as a Christian, I change my mind more often on things, not on gospel issues, of course. But, uh, uh, I mean, one thing actually recently that over the past six months I've kind of progressed on was, uh, I, I think I've, I've kind of come to embrace, uh, a kind of a Sunday Sabbath mentality, uh, as Christians, you know, not, not necessarily extremely strict, but, uh, I actually kind of used to, I think a year ago, if you'd asked me, I would say it's probably uh, cool to worship on a Sunday, you know, for your weekly worship service. Uh, but I, I don't see really a biblical precedent necessarily for that, just, you know, kind of keeping it. And now I think I've kind of really evolved on that too. You know, I, I would be comfortable saying that Christians should worship on Sundays. Uh, now I obviously understand some people have to work in situations like that, but I, I think I've changed my mind on that because of some biblical arguments people have presented to me. Another one, actually, even since the history of the podcast was, you know, I, um, I had let our family and made the decision for our family to homeschool, uh, several years ago. And now we are, uh, that we're public school, a public school family. And I don't regret that, uh, you know, there are some ex- external factors that impacted that for us. Uh, but I, I'm glad that, you know, for our family, it really works for us doing public school right now. And actually, uh, I will say that, uh, we may be having a discussion on public school, private school and homeschool, uh, in the future. So, uh, and a littler one that, uh, you know, we recently had Halloween time and, I used to I used to think uh, baby Ruths were kind of a lame candy when I was growing up, and uh, baby Ruths are pretty great. I changed my mind on that. That I will second you on, uh, and I do remember having conversations with you about the schooling options, and and you were firm. Which I mean, you know, Tony, when you, usually when you take a position, you're pretty firm on it. <laughs> yes, and I, uh, I remember. I remember we were at the unique management uh, Christmas party and we were in line for the food or to see Santa Claus or something like that. And, um, and uh, you gave some, you know, convincing arguments. You did. I mean, we do homeschool, um, at least one of our children, two of them have at some point, but now, um, are Americans known for changing their minds easily, Ben? You know, I think that depends who you're looking at. Uh, politicians sure are. Uh, you know, whatever group they're talking to, you know, oh, we're for this. Oh, no, this is terrible. Um, and, but I think – and I, this is just anecdotal. But when you look at the electoral evidence, often, you know, like say one party wins a national election president, often the the other party in the, the midterm cycle um, – ends up gaining seats from the president's party. They they take them. And so, I mean, there is just this pendulum swing. And so, I mean, I think sometimes Americans can be pigheaded and that kind of stuff, and probably a lot of groups of people. Um, But at the same time, and and it's a group in the middle that tends to be decisive in that. I think, you know, you do have some people on the edges that they are firmly entrenched, and then a lot of people – or maybe not even a lot, but people in between who do vacillate back and forth. But, um, I mean, I am an American, so, um, (laughs) what are are your thoughts? 
I know even with that kind of uh, kind of facilitating back, it's interesting because a lot of times, like I, I like to follow a lot of advanced uh, political metrics, like on voter turnouts and stuff. And sometimes it seems to be linked to voter turnouts. You know, the it's you know a lot of times uh, even even like election changes in America is really more of a matter of what party has brought is bringing out all their voters rather than what party is convincing people to change their minds sometimes. But you know the which is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> that's that you know they don't try to do that as much but uh that yeah i think we as americans can often be very tribalist you know we mm-hmm. we kind of see as you know us very us versus them uh within even america uh and i what one thing i did find interesting that was i was reading some uh, uh something that on how people change their minds in america and actually social media actually changes more minds than almost anything in america today and i i would never have believed it but it was a pretty scientific study i don't remember what university did it uh but it showed that one of the keys things that have uh, changed the most minds in the past couple years has been social media would you believe that uh, I think it's time to move to an island somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That is terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. and uh, But I, I think to a degree, all sinners are really stubborn and, and prone to yeah. not change their mind because we're we're all prideful in ways, you know, I know that's a sin I battle maybe more than others do in some ways, but uh, that I know humanity is kind of defined by pride in ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, why are Christians often known for being too stubborn to rethink things? Because I think there's a reputation for that sometimes. For, yeah, and I think conservative, theologically speaking, uh, Christians in particular, um, and I think you know we understand that we have the truth, and like, yeah. it, it's what corresponds with reality, and it's the truth about God, and it's the truth from God, and so it touches on things of eternal consequence. And so um, you don't want to be playing fast and loose with that and backpedaling. And also, Christians are a subset of people. And like you said, sinners can be lazy, and, or sinners can be proud. Well, sinners can also be lazy in various ways, and that includes with their minds. And so sometimes it can be hard work to, to think through a thing. It's just like, well, this is where I'm at, so don't confuse me with the facts. And desires, you know, play in it as well. I think there can be a level of fear that's motivating those things sometimes. Um, so I, I don't think it's you can boil it down to one thing. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with your first points, especially. I agree with a lot, of, uh, really, all of what you said. Uh, and I definitely, I mean, part of this is definitely that our faith is inherently an unchanging historic uh, faith. You know, it's not like you know. I mean, you look at the Mormon Church, you know. And Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there's a mentality that, you know, God changes mind. I mean, people have made jokes about literally and, and the Mormon religion, God did not allow black people to serve as, you know, as religious leaders. And then God changed his mind. Uh, that's not the Christian faith that we hold to. You know, we hold to a historic faith, you know, where God is unchanging. Uh, but at the same time, I think we also often are quicker to act as if our every view on something is an essential. You know, uh, we rightly stand firm on, you know, the Trinity and that the, the unchanging view of, of Christians all time in the Trinity. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we might act like, you know, our view on how to interpret Revelation should be as unchanging throughout history as, you know, as the Trinity, you know, that to have to ever progress on your view on that is kind of liberalism, for example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is the, the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Um, 
But yes, that it's just it's well said. Yes. Now, uh, can changing your mind actually be a godly virtue at all? Then I think so. Uh, I think it, it certainly can because it assumes that we're not right on everything all the time. And I mean, none of us knowingly adopt positions that are wrong. Like I don't, I don't think <laughs> if, if we want to please the Lord, you know, we don't like, Oh yeah, I think this is the wrong one. This is evil. I, I'm going to go with that. Uh, but we don't know which ones we're wrong on or else we wouldn't hold it. And, and so, but I think it can be a sign of humility and uh, that we're teachable and that we're not God. Um, I mean, God's got, you know, he'll, he'll sort out some of those things that we're wrong on <laughs> in glory, but it can be a sign of growing in Christ-likeness who was humble. Um, yeah. Not that he needed to learn, you know, what was true about God necessarily. Um, h- how you mix the two of those together, you know, grew in wisdom and stature and all that, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. you know, I don't know that he was holding wrong positions. Um, but yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think all you say is true. I mean, that's a, a lot of what I was thinking. Uh, I'll add to that even, you know, as uh, I kind of move in a position where I'll be preaching one. I know you preach a decent bet in, and teach kids. I mean, ha- having a spirit of, uh, of having an open mind, being willing to change your mind is a really great thing, uh, for helpful, helpful in preaching, you know, when people are preaching God's work. Cause I think, you know, I, I think every preacher ever has kind of had the feeling that, you know, this is all kind of pointless at times. It feels like, you know, if you're preaching this and trying to convict, convince and convict from the word of God, you know, the people already believe this are going to just be amen and everybody else is just going to close their ears and, you know, ignore it. They might say good sermon preacher, uh, but, uh, <laughs> You know, if we have that kind of open mind that's willing to change our perspective when we consider things that we didn't know about before, I, I think that's going to be really good for the sanctification of the church. Yeah. Now, is rethinking things a sign of shaking faith ever been? Uh, I mean, it, it can be, but it can also be just a sign of proper humility. I mean, there it's become very in vogue to deconstruct, and for uh, not just in the last few years, but well before that. But people, um, like in the emerging church uh, or emergent church movement, and people raise kind of, again, theologically speaking, but at the left wing of evangelicalism, and people that maybe even past that they wouldn't put themselves with that label, uh, but to raise questions, but not ever provide answers. And, and that's a, one of the common threads I've seen is some of these deconstruction stories. The, I mean, it's, it's apostasy stories. Yeah. Um, and it's people raising questions and some of it acting like no one's ever thought about this before. I mean, how is nobody talking about this? And I mean, it just shows a, a big lack of awareness, both co- in a contemporary scene, but also historically, like, yeah, plenty of people have seen this and thought about this and um and addressed it in good ways um so there can be that that it's uh, a sign of shaking faith but it doesn't have to be yeah so i i definitely uh we agree it can be actually i think in ways for some people changing your mind is actually just a sign of being a coward of a cowardice Mm. rather than rather than any kind of courage. Uh, but uh, when it is, uh, we should be aware, when rethinking faith, uh, things shows that the faith is shaking like that. I think we should be aware that the faith was already weaker faith when that's happening. 
fake when it's happening. So, you know, it's, I, I don't see, you know, a biblical teaching that, you know, people just, that are strong Christians just all of a sudden come to totally disbelieve like that, you know, come to totally rethink. It's probably just a sign of what was already underneath the surface. Yeah. yeah and I, was, I mean, a lot of times a moral dimension as well. Yeah. But, you know, in a more positive uh, way, you know, I think we should want uh, we should want people to question everything but the Bible. You know, I mean, that's uh, I mean, it's like what the brands were exalted for. I mean, that they, you know, take everything back, you know, that they, you know, they literally sat on the Apostle Paul and is this what the Bible says? And, you know, obviously it was. And he was, uh, and it's a little ironic because uh, God's inspired word was coming through Paul in, in a way that does not now, but uh, still they were doing that. So, uh, and further, I think we see when this happens, when rethinking happens, uh, are sometimes times where faith is kind of becoming somebody's own in a way that it was not before. You know, I think we, we get corny with that kind of stuff, uh, but uh, there is some truth that, you know, when people are rethinking things, it could be that they're heading towards the faith really being embraced by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Paul talks about Timothy, uh, you've become persuaded uh, yeah. about these things, and um, there is that. I think that's what he's talking about. Now, how does a willingness to question things actually strengthen our faith? Well, I think, like you were just saying about uh, becoming, having a better understanding, you can gain a better grasp of what it is as you're sorting through it and you are making it your own, uh, becoming better rooted in those truths and really sinking down into it. Uh, and it can also help us understand why others may disagree with us whether within the Christian camp or, or outside, why they may deny those things and, and give you maybe more measure of humility towards them or respect towards them. I mean, there's plenty of things I disagree with uh, bel other believers about, but I mean, I still think they're genuine believers and that they're going to uh, be with the Lord. And, you know, no, again, none of us hold positions that we think are sinful or wrong. I mean, we can do it in a, a good conscience. Now, in the end, somebody is right and somebody is wrong. But I mean, it's, we're not this, you know, you've, you know, about those discernment blogs out there. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, those can be pretty dangerous for somebody's soul. Um, when you're just basically pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong. Yeah. I, so I'm not a big fan of those. And so, I mean, you and I are not trying to do that, but we also think that theology matters yeah. and that scripture does make propositions or teach certain things and if it does then we should try to understand that and go okay this is what god said this is real and then align ourselves with it and, and what we believe and how we act yeah I, mean, I would just add i mean i think really a faith that is not afraid of questions of questioning <laughs> itself is is really the most confident kind of faith that we can have you know and uh, if uh, maybe we don't have a very strong faith if we're really afraid of, of these kind of questions we instead you know uh, we should make sure that we believe uh, something and that we know it true and know it is true have confidence in what we believe so but uh, yeah now, does the Bible, Bible ever elevate changing opinions on anything? I mean, of course, I, I don't think that uh, li listeners should be aware that neither of us are going to believe that, like, the authors of the Bible changed their mind middle of a sentence in the Bible. <laughs> right. Um, no, I think it does. I mean, just the very concept, the act of repentance, 
it involves a change of mind. Now, some want to limit it to simply a mind change. I think that's a problematic definition because, I mean, if you if you turn towards God away from idols and sin, I mean, by definition, you have changed directions. Yeah. Um, but but the word metanoia um, it involves a mind change. Uh, about who you are, about the the weight and gravity of your sin, about who God is, how, how you can be right with Him, all of that, um, and it, you can play that out on a smaller scale in a number of different ways. This is, I think, you could say this falls into the category of mind change. I mean, it uses the word revelation, but in Philippians three fifteen, Paul tells the church there. He says, uh, you know, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Yeah. Now that involves God actively working. But I think as if, if we are changing our mind and for the better, we are adopting true positions and coming to see what is true, see the light, then I think we'd say, yes, that God is at work in that. Now, sometimes we may turn away from a position or from what really is true and actually move towards something that's wrong. Again, not on purpose uh, in the sense that we're trying to. Uh, to defy the light that's been given to us. But yeah, I mean, those, those are two examples that come to mind, but anything else you can think of? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think it's interesting that we tend to, when we think of changing our mind, we think of, you know, that we kind of becoming wokeified, embracing the worldview of the day, uh, the world in a way. But actually, I think the Bible talks about changing mind. It, it basically assumes that our default mindset is worldliness and, and mm-hmm. tells us, in, and Romans 12 too, I think is a helpful verse there mm-hmm. then in that mind with changing mind. Paul calls Christians, do not be conformed to this world, uh, but to change their mind, basically, by the tra- be, be transforming by the renewal of your mind. Uh, and he says in that, by discerning the will of God. And I think according to scripture, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I, I think there's a, almost a calling of change your mind back to the, the, the truths of God's word, knowing that we inherently actually, uh, I mean, our defaults are not, <laughs> we almost have a, a, like our defaults are the good things, you know, but our, the Bible teaches our defaults is worldliness and that we need to constantly be changing our minds because we're bogged down in ways that we don't think about. And I think another actually passage, a narrative, uh, kind of uh, an example uh, of somebody changing their mind is actually in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Uh, Paul kind of recounts how actually Peter was teaching something dangerous, which is fascinating that a guy who's right scripture was uh, basically becoming a Judaizer in a little ways. You know, he needed to be called out and Paul tells us how, uh, when he saw this, when be, kind of he was creating the separation between Jew and Gentile, uh, Paul called Peter out, and, and it's clear that Peter changed. You know, Peter realized the error of his ways, and he changed his mind. Uh, now, I don't think yeah. that Peter ever wrote in the, the Bible under his wrong view, you know, or his wrong, right. probably more wrong action nonetheless, though. But Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, how does an unwillingness to rethink things actually hurt the faith of young people? Because I think a lot of this really does connect to young people. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think that it can demonstrate, uh, if it's older people and younger people are watching, it can demonstrate pride and just like mulishness, if that's even a word, just being stubborn. And it, it because... There can be this chronological snobbery, you know, C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. used that term, that we're always right the further along that we, you know, progress. And 
time does allow us perspectives that we might not have had before, yeah. but it, it doesn't mean that we were always wrong in the past, uh, but it acknowledges that people could have been wrong um, yeah. or that I personally could have been wrong. Yeah. Um, and so the attitude uh, of just, no, we're not going to rethink this. Uh, it can convey, just don't ask questions, just shut up and do what you're told, or just shut up and believe this. And, that's not the most endearing way. And, and like you said, I mean, if it's true, it's going to hold up. And so that in itself is, is a turnoff, I think, to many younger people, especially when the culture around us is inviting to, to challenge so many things. And I mean, sometimes people can ask questions, not because they're humbly seeking the truth, but it's more of a challenge, a, a confrontation. Uh, and that's not what we're after. But, uh, I mean, God certainly can overcome that. Um, but I think we, we should raise questions, uh, but not, at, like I was talking about before, don't just raise questions for the sake of raising questions and then, you know, just never provide answers. Well, I just we just can't know. Then we all become our own little godlets, sort of deciding for ourselves, you know, what is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's a, a troubling position to be in and to lead other people into. And, and there's been with the whole, you know, deconstruction parade that's been going on. Um, some have pointed that out, how some of these these people who had some notoriety in the Christian community were saying, okay, hey, everybody, listen to me, follow me, out of the camp. And then it's like, well, where are we going? I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, I mean, just, you know, it's kind of foolhardy yeah. and a little bit laughable, but, but sad at the same time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there can be, uh, a lot of damage that can be done, to, you know, if we're just uh, so hard and fast that there's no way we could be wrong about anything. Um, so we don't want to convey that. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's interesting because I think, you know, the culture around us, I mean, the secularized culture, I think often is a mentality with Bible-believing Christians uh, that, uh, you know, we're just brainwashed people that are not enlightened about, you know, enlightened about gender, enlightened about what all these different things. And, uh, you know, when we're not willing to rethink things at all, you know, it really to young people gives the, gives the impression that maybe the lost people that are saying that are right about us. Uh, and I don't think that they are, but it definitely makes it look like it. Uh, and I think it, it also, the, really the most dangerous thing about this is that it acts as if we are the arbiters of truth rather than the recipients of truth, which is a big, big difference, you know? And, uh, I mean, I mean, I know a lost person, a lost person that I'm related to, uh, this person has kind of, you know, uh, feels like, you know, the Christians often see themselves as, you know, better than like, you know, as they only deserve heaven. But the, the actuality is Christians realize none of us deserve heaven. Uh, but these kind of wrong perceptions are just kind of, uh, furthered by this almost mentality we act, we like, we act like we're the arbiters, you know, we're better than the world. Mm, yeah. So, now, what might happen if young people see mature Christians actually changing their minds on things? On things bigger than candy bars. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on on what we're changing our mind on and, and why we're changing our mind. Um, but uh, the best possible case, it could encourage and instruct them uh, towards thoughtful and careful and humble engagement on on different positions. And I, I know our pastors were. I mean, I was talking to my boss and our senior pastor the other day, and 
he made a comment about just being at the place in life where he doesn't feel like he has to have a position on everything. So I just don't have time or ability to be able to weigh it all and, you know, give up. And he didn't say this, but give a hot take on it. It's just like, I'm, I'm not sure about that. And being, you know, okay with that. Uh, and he is a very humble guy. But uh, I think that that could be a good thing if younger people see mature Christians having this humble posture. And go, okay, well, you know what? I, I was, I used to be here, but, you know, now I, I'm here. And I listen to other people. Um, that could, now, on the downside, they could start they could use it as, as fodder to justify themselves if there's something yeah. they don't want to believe and jettison it and go, oh, well, see, you know, Pastor Bob and uh-huh. Elder Joe did this and Mom or whatever else. Yeah. Uh, but but we can all take things. We we can look for justifications for our own sin. Yeah. So I, I definitely think it will also, I mean, it really help young people realize that Christians are, in fact, actually thinking people, uh, people that ask big questions, you know, in a way that actually more than other people do, you know, which is a really positive thing to convey, you know, that, that we are not, you know, that we are not like cult members, you know, we are people that want to, you know, that we are about the truth. Like you said earlier, and we want to take that seriously. Uh, and I think it, they will also realize it's okay to ask the questions that they have that they're not asking and to really pursue truth and to think through it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, um, the, can it be dangerous to very young children to see their parents have some flexibility in their beliefs? Cause I know you work with a lot of young children sometimes and, you know, we've all worked and interacted with young children for sure. Uh, you know, that's a tough one. I, I thought about that, and I don't know that I have a great response to it. I mean, in general, I'm probably, if I'm talking to young kids, I'm not going to trace out, well, I used to hold this position on this doctrine, and now I've, I've changed my mind, or this reading in this particular passage. Um, so again, I think it depends on what they're changing their mind on and why they're changing it. Um, but I mean, I... I have fairly young children, and my youngest is four. And so, I mean, there are things um, that I'm not going to talk about with him that I may talk about with my child that's 10. And so, in some ways, I guess I've not, I, I'm not encountering a lot of situations like that that's reflecting a lot of that um, or having walked through that with parents. But I, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I do see this one as a little different. So I think for young kids, this can really give a shake their stability and understanding the world. I mean, they're not concrete thinkers in the same way that older kids are, uh, as we all know. But uh, so, I mean, I, I think maybe having a detailed look at how mom changed her specific view on, you know, on uh, the second coming of Christ is probably not helpful <laughs> for a young person. Uh, but young kids at the age that they might believe in Santa Claus, for example, uh, I think need a lot more stability in ways. Not to lie to them, but, you know, I think probably that's just not something they're ready for. Um, yeah. But so I think we, a parent should show humble uncertainty progressively as they get older rather than something to just kind of dump on them. Okay. That, that's, I was, yeah, I wasn't quite sure, of which, but yeah, that's kind of where I would land. How should Christian parents and church leaders react when young people start to really rethink things uh, that we've taught them? I think we want to be humble and patient with them 
and uh, urge them to make God and God's word the standard and not some cultural fad or some cultural pressure or the tastes of the day. Um, I think, too, we want to ask them how they got there or, you know, what's provoking the questions. And if we see some holes in their thinking um, or their feeling about it, um, and I intentionally use both words, uh, help guide them to see that so oh, well, you know what about this and not in a challenging way necessarily but just helping them to ask good questions to really evaluate it and trying to see like are they asking this um in a a genuine way that they want to grow and understand or is this are they are they challenging um and that might that might reveal pride in their heart but questions are really good and I think, too, looking at their desires, what is it that you're after? Uh, because they may have a big case of the fear of man. I mean, that is a powerful, powerful motivator. Um, I, talking about this, and I, and I noticed it, too, and I'm sure you have, in people you know, in the last few years that have walked away from the faith, oftentimes it came down to stuff like LGBTQ yeah. plus um, issues. And it was like, they got to know people who were part of, of that group and it's like, well, they're nice. And you know, how can I be their friend and, or their boss or whatever else it is. And, you know, say that I think that they're wrong or that, that they would face God's judgment for pursuing their desires. And so they sort of, their experience then turned and shaped what they said they believed uh, because they couldn't hold the two, two things together. And just that, that desire to be accepted and not just accepted, but, you know, especially if there's had some celebrity, but applauded and, and loved, um, that is a big motivator. And yeah. so I think, I think that's something to pay attention to. Yeah. So uh, that's, those are good points. So. I think that in some cases we actually should celebrate it actually in cases. So I actually know of a time I was working with teenagers and, uh, there was a teen who was not raised in a charismatic background actually at all. And I was, I was teaching something on a text where I, I, I personally believe that the, uh, you know, the sign gifts have ceased. And, uh, this teen kind of went up to me actually after the lesson. And talk to me and, and they said, you know, I've been doing some study and I feel like the Bible teaches this and it's different. From, and like really like was like almost like scared to come to me on it. And like, man, I thought it was so awesome. Like that they're uh -huh. reading their Bible and they're rethinking and trying to, to decide for themselves, you know, based upon a humility, what they think the Bible says. And that's something, you know, if it's not a heresy, you know, I, I think that can be celebrated and that can be honored, even if it comes to, you know, I did tell this teen why I think that they're wrong, but, <laughs> but still, I think it was it's something that's really exciting. And, you know, and our kids are going to end up having some theological convictions that are different from ours on non-essential issues if they follow in the follow Christ. And that's not always terrible. Yeah, I, there's benefits of that. Uh, and I think don't panic even over essential ones. Like you mentioned, you mentioned repeatedly not panicking as that really freaking out too much when they do this. Is this going to hurt this more? Is this going to kind of even drill into what they've been hearing that, you know, they don't want you to think for yourself, which we do want people to think for themselves. Uh, I think we should appreciate their honesty and we should help them find answers. And, and I think for this reason, I think Christians 
Christians that work in next-gen ministries need to find themselves uh, equipping themselves uh, and, and apologetic answers and, and answers these big questions. Yeah, definitely. Now, can it be helpful for teens uh, particularly to be welcome to question things in church meetings or at home? Uh, I think, yeah, to, to some extent. Like you were saying, I mean, we want people to learn to think for themselves, to read Scripture seriously, and to ask good questions of it, and to bring themselves in submission to it. And so, um, I, I mean, I don't think you want to have teenagers, you know, calling out to her in the middle of the sermon. Um, that's, that's just not... I mean, you don't want anybody doing that. I mean, that's not the point of that time. Though I, I know it's becoming, uh, I don't know, a, a thing. But I mean, I've heard of plenty of churches that will do some sort of question and answer after the sermon yeah. for those who are interested, whether they're unbelievers or whatever. And it's just, it creates a dialogue. Uh, the, I mean, the sermon time, contrary to the practice of some churches, I don't know if it's really as in vogue as it was during the emergent days, but it is a monologue. It is God addressing us. Uh, so there's theological reasons yeah. for that, but to invite, well, hey, what does, what do you mean about this? Or hey, you didn't address this. I don't understand. Or you know, various things like that. Uh, but the truth is the truth, and the truth will prevail. It will hold up, and it will set us free. And so I think we do want to be able to to offer good reasons for the reasons we believe what we believe, and and you know, we're hoping the generation behind us adopts those things because we have accepted them and we think they're true. And even on secondary or maybe tertiary matters, you know, I, I'm not going to be as upset like, you know, if my kids don't follow me on every yeah. secondary and, and tertiary things. Um, but anyway, so I think it, it's something that we can encourage and, uh, and provide space for in, in our home. Uh, or sometimes even throwing a question out to them like, well, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I'm a fan. How about you? Yeah, that's good. I definitely, and I think it's even wise, especially, I mean, I think in youth ministries or children's ministries or even churches that don't have those formal provide opportunities, you know, to really voice that. One thing I think that went really well with our youth ministry in Area 51 uh, at Faith Family Church was we, uh, we like twice, we had kind of a big question, submit these questions that you have that you're struggling with uh, and anonymously. I mean, you just put it in like a shoebox type deal and, you know, we weren't afraid of it. We're going to tackle it and we're going to allow you, you know, if you disagree with this, if you think the Bible's wrong on this, you know, this is a time to voice where you're at and, and our leaders are going to be thoroughly prepared. And I think it was a really helpful avenue for people that they didn't have to just, you know, shut their mouth about their questions and, and their doubts and their concerns, uh, but that they knew that this could, this would be dealt with in an open and helpful fashion. I think there's ways even to do that for the broader church. Uh, again, I would agree with you. The sermon is not the place. I know churches have done that. The sermon is definitively not the place for that. Uh, but I would say if we ever do this, we need to be careful around young or overly sheltered kids because sometimes that can do more damage than good. Mm, yeah. Now, how can changing minds at some times be an example of fear of man rather than humility? And I know you've talked about this already a little bit. Uh, because it's driven by a desire for approval or by a fear of loss uh, rather than true conviction that something is right or something is wrong. Um, you know, despite how sinful people may react, you know, certain things are true and untrue. They're right and they're wrong. And so 
when we're after those goals rather than, you know, I, I just want to obey the Lord here. I want to submit myself to him. And um, that's not really the thing. It's like, what can people give me or what will they take from me? And so I'm going to cater myself. I mean, like we're, talk- we're joking about the politicians in America, you know, depending on who they're talking to. Uh, and, and I've been guilty of that, kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth or, um, you know, backpedaling on something because someone showed some disapproval. You know, and that's cowardice on my part. That's wrong. Um, and, you know, the Lord is, is shaping me in those ways and has over the years. Um, but, yeah, that's not true humility. True humility is, is bowing before the Lord and his, his authority and saying, you know, Lord, you're your ways aren't just, and your word isn't just true, but it's also good. And so, I mean, I remember uh, hearing D.A. Carson talk from First uh, Timothy 2 and 3, and he's talking about the flow of, of the thought there, the flow of the argument. And he made the comment, uh, in those passages, if you don't know, uh, talk about the, the role of elders, overseers, and yeah. uh, women teaching. I mean, I know you know, but, you know, for those listening. Um, and he said, you know, we can offer explanations and, and various things. He said, but at some point, we, we just can't apologize for what Scripture says because we know God is good. He made us. He set things up this way. And so it is for our good that we we follow them and submit to them. Uh, it will be for our benefit. And so we're just trusting God in that. And it's not like, I mean, we believe that all men— maybe elders and all they just rule over the women in the church. It's like there are certain men who are qualified to serve in that role in the church and um, many that, that are not. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, we, you've mentioned a little bit of that, you know, what's progressive Christianity. That's kind of the new term for uh, a very old thing, just theological yeah. liberalism. Liberalism repackaged. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it just, it's like every generation it does it. Again, that was a little bit of the merchant church. Uh, yeah. you know, we were in college and now it's uh, progressive Christianity. And I think, honestly, I, I'm going to be bold, bold and say, I suspect nearly all, you know, evangelicals that have moved to progressive Christianity in young ages, you know, in young adulthood and teen years, that's, to me, it's essentially entirely, uh, just changing your mind out of fear of man rather than true humility. Uh, and it's not brave to change your mind in a way that causes you to be conformed to everybody else, you know, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> right. and that's, I, I mean, I think it's almost like celebrated, you know, Christians that move out of, you know, biblical teachings, you know, that, that question, you know, like deny a lot of the biblical teachings, you know, you're being brave, but you're not being brave when you're just trying to be like everybody else around you. That's mocking you for holding the Bible. <laughs> that's just cowardice. Uh, and, that's a good point. And, uh, but I suspect, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I would suspect that the vast majority of young people who change, you know, that, that fuels it. And I think we need to handle it and not always give the assumption when a young person is going through these questions. But nonetheless, I think that there is truth there. I mean, there is, you know, I, and, and I think it goes to human nature, you know, when you are hearing that, you know, you're a bigoted monster if you believe this, a, a biblical teaching about gender. If you, if you are hearing that you are, are, are a dummy if you believe 
believe that God created the heaven and earth in six literal days. You're not a liberal if you believe in day age theory, for example, by the way. But, you know, if you're hearing this mocked, I mean, it's not brave of you to change your opinion because you don't like people calling, thinking that you're dumb. You know what I mean? Uh, right. That's just fear of man is all that it is. I mean, I, I remember somebody that I went, we went to college with, uh, that I think you, I knew him a little bit better than you did and, you know, ended up actually in kind of academia and, and progressed towards, uh, you know, some extreme theological views that, you know, far from biblical. And it seemed to clearly be, I mean, that, you know, it's, I don't want to be seen as, seen as the dumb, dumb Baptist, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But that's not courage, yeah. courageous, you know. So, but uh, no, I think that's a really good point. Now, uh, to close this out, can we actually prevent young people from rethinking and questioning things if we really wanted to? I mean, you could try to go like that movie, The Village. I think we've talked about this on here before. <laughs> you know, try to like keep him inside the, the compound and not have internet connection or books or anything, um, unless ones that you have thoroughly vetted, but. I mean, in the end, I, I don't think that you can. Um, you can't tell, you can't make people believe a certain thing or adopt a certain position. You can't help them in what to think about. And you can model those things in a way that make them attractive. You know, we, we try, like Titus talks about um, good works adorning the gospel and for outsiders. And so I, I think that there is something important for us to take away in that, that we can believe and adorn it so that God and his word and his ways are seen not just as true, but also good as pleasing and joyful. And we make that uh, attractive to young people as they're looking and and trying to decide what is true um, to determine those things as they maybe question things. Um, But we can't yeah, it's not like we plug in a USB drive. And yeah, here you go. Yeah, so I I, I know of a, a family you know that really had a hard time with this, and I understand it. Uh, and they had a teen, kind of a younger teen, and start to question things. And and they're really approached. They were very much tried to shelter, and and they they actually kind of further they doubled down the sheltering, feeling like oh you know that we need to just seclude them more and more from that. Uh, and maybe my guess is in this case, uh, this can kind of delay asking these questions. You know, you're not around things, uh, that, and somewhat change where they ask these questions. But, you know, those things often are just going to backfire. You know, that when young people have these questions, we can't, we, you know, we can't dodge it. We can't prevent them from having it. They're going to think for themselves in time and we just need to be ready and we should be, we shouldn't be scared of that because we're the people with the answers. You know, we're the people and, you know, we talk about historic faith that's passed down and the historic faith passed down doesn't mean, you know, this blind tradition. It means the benefit of thousands of years of of some of these most brilliant people in human history, uh, you know, <laughs> that searching after truth and uh, that we're not smarter than them, you know, uh, but kind of building into that. 
Uh, but sheltering uh, can't be permanent if we ever try to shelter from this. And they will wonder about what they're exposed to, uh, no matter what they do. And I even know I'll have cases, you know, where there's kind of a sheltering to avoid an unbiblical worldview that just exposes them more unbiblical worldview and just cause some different kinds of questions. So the young people are going to ask these questions, and being afraid is not a solution, right, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I understand, like, you want your kids to believe what's true and to live it out, but you, you give them the truth and you try to adorn it and you pray, and because you want to equip your kids to be able to deal with things that come at them, because there's going to be new ideas or uh, old ideas repackaged or different kinds of challenges, and to be able to, to see those coming, because, you know, when they're adults you can't continue to spoon feed them and you know you don't want them living in your house and well this is what you should think about this and this is what you think about that like they need to be able to deal with those things and hopefully you know in the community of the church as well um but yeah i mean you're trying to release them into the world to be able to deal with those things to then pass it on to the next generation yeah that's good so I think this has been a helpful discussion, and uh, we should probably close out this podcast, Ben, so I can try to change your mind about how the Red Sox are a superior team to the Braves. <laughs> nice try. Nice try. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.